The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. To you today. So today is the last Sunday of the summer. Can you believe that? Time marches on, and we're approaching autumn this Thursday. But we thank God. We're still in pandemic mode here, but we thank God that we're marching toward fully reopening the church. And we believe that's going to happen in God's time. Amen. How many are ready for the word of the Lord? Ready for the word of the Lord. You know, when I heard that, when I was listening to that presentation on control, I thought many pastors should hear that. And that's one of the greatest faults among church leadership is trying to control God's people. You see, don't let nobody control you. You know, you're free to do what you want to do. And if you've been in this thing long enough, you know people do what people want to do. So why should you frustrate yourself trying to control people? People belong to God. You belong to God. And so don't even try to control yourself, as we rightly heard, because God's in control. Amen? Would you open your Bibles this morning with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I've talked to you about how Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. And today I want to take this message one step further, and I want to show you that every one of us are living in the seventh day. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 reads, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, and the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we also have believed, do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And here the Lord is talking about particularly the first generation of the Israelites that came out of Egypt. God had promised them Canaan land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. But they didn't believe God. They were full of disbelief. They were full of disobedience. So God swore in his wrath, even though I've already prepared this for you, and I prepared this for you before the foundation of the world, I am now swearing in my wrath that because of your unbelief, you will not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse 4. For he has spoken of a certain place of the seventh day. Everybody say the seventh day. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Now look at verse 9. There remains therefore a rest. There remains therefore a Sabbath rest. For the people of God. And I really need you to get this. This will change your life if you simply learn how to rest in your Sabbath day. Enjoy your Sabbath rest. Knowing that you're living in the seventh day 
with a work to already finish from the foundation of the world. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased, ceased from his works as God did from his. Now, if the truth be told, if we were to be really honest with one another, most of us have not ceased from our works. We are still trying to make it happen. We're trying to help God out. And as a result, so many of us, we're on that precipice, that precipice of falling off of our faith into unbelief because of circumstances, because of things we hear, things we see, and we know the promise of God, and we feel like we got to help God out. But God says the same way he has ceased from his works and entered his rest, he said there remains a rest for the people of God, and we too ought to enter our rest. Is that right? You know, like in Moses' day, there were some on the verge of just turning back on God's promise of taking them to the promised land. They would not enter into the rest of the Lord. You see, what the Bible is really showing us is a lot of people, they know of Christ, they know about Christ, but they don't know him personally. Did you hear what I said? They don't know him personally. And if they did, they would mix the word with faith. Those that did not enter God's rest, they didn't enter God's rest, not because they didn't hear the good news from God, not because they didn't receive the promise. They didn't enter God's rest because they didn't unite their faith with the word they heard. They didn't combine their faith with the word they heard. They didn't mix their faith with the word. That's a problem. You see, there's us and there's them quote-unquote. The writer of Hebrews says that they heard the word the same way we heard the word, but it didn't benefit them like it benefited us. You see, the promise that God made to the them was that he was going to lead them to the land that flowed with milk and honey, that he was going to give them an earthly rest. But the promise he made to us is that we would receive an internal rest in Christ Jesus. And so, if we don't mix the word with faith, then we can end up falling short of the promise because of our own disbelief, because of our own disobedience. Huh? Listen to me, beloved. Whenever you trust in your own efforts instead of the power of God, you're always risking not entering your rest. You're trying to do it yourself. Are you strong enough to do it? Are you big enough, bad enough to do it? Then why not just put our faith in God because he says, I've done it. Did you hear what I said? Huh? You're in danger of entering to your rest. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And because of the finished works of God, because of the finished works of Christ, 
We now live in the seventh day. Now, the seventh day speaks of Sabbath rest. It's a release from work. It's a a release from activity because the works of God are finished. Let me say it again. I know we don't get this, but we need to get this. The works of God are finished. Huh? So why did God rest on the seventh day? If you flip over to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, and this is the passage that the writer of Hebrews referred to. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God entered into his work. God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it. Because in it, he rested from all his works, which God had created and made. He rested on the seventh day, and he sanctified. He set apart that seventh day. And this is the day we live in. We live in the seventh day. When Jesus hung on the cross, according to the Gospel of John, chapter 19, Jesus was crucified, and he hung there on the cross, And they gave him sour wine to drink. And after Jesus drank the vinegar, the sour wine, Jesus shouted, it is finished. It is finished. Then the Bible says he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Why? What what was finished? The works of redemption was finished. The works that was needful and necessary for our salvation were finished. The works to accomplish our healing, our blessing, our answer prayers, whatever we need from God, it was finished. He never said it would be continued. He never said there'd be a part two. We must live as if it's finished because the works were already done before the foundation of the world. This is why I say God is not going to heal nobody else. He's not going to deliver nobody else. He's already done those works. Now, if you need healing, you got to rest in the promise because you're living in the seventh day. If you need a deliverance, you got to learn how to rest in the promise of God because you're living in the seventh day. Can you say amen? So why are we working so hard? Why are we beating our heads against the wall, but yet sin on the other side of our mouths, we have faith in God? Now, faith without works is dead. But works should be the result of your faith, and works should not be to get more faith or to make it happen. We are living in the seventh day, and God has sanctified that day, and he's called every one of us to rest. See, in the seventh day, you don't worry. You don't live your life worrying. You don't live your life in anxiety. In the seventh day, There is no worry and no anxiety. This is why Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. He says, therefore, take, he said, do not worry. Do not worry. If you're worrying, you're working. Let me say it again. If you're worrying, you're working. 
You're working mentally and emotionally when the Lord says, you're to enter my Sabbath rest. You're to be at rest because the works were already finished before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? God laid up for me, God laid up for you every blessing and benefit we would ever need in this life. The same way you don't see the animals in the field worrying. The same way you don't see the birds of the air worrying. Why? God has already provided for them. How much more has he provided for his own creation, created in his image and after his likeness? How much more? So Jesus said, do not worry. Do not worry and said, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He said, after all these things do the Gentiles do. In other words, that's what unbelievers do. That's what the ones do that haven't received the promise, that haven't entered the rest of the seventh day. That's what they do. He says, your father knows you have need of these things. And if the father knows I have need of these things, then I need to believe the father has done something about it because he's a mighty good God. Amen? He says, but seek you the first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Why? Because they've already been provided, and they were provided before the foundation of the world. To live in the seventh day is a recognition that we're also living now in the kingdom of God. It's a recognition that we're also now the righteousness of God. He says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all those things that I have provided for you before the foundation of the world, they shall be added unto you. Can you say amen? God don't want us worrying and being anxious. We should be the coolest people on the planet. Did you hear what I said? We should be the coolest people on the planet. This is why Paul told the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing. What does nothing mean? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made unto God. What is Paul talking about? Do not worry, Paul says. Don't be anxious about anything. He says, just by prayer, just talk to God about it. Talk to your heavenly father about it. Supplicate with him. Make your requests unto him. And Paul says, when you do it, do it with thanksgiving. So why are we praying and supplicating with thanksgiving? Because we're thanking God that it's already done. It's already done. And we can remain in our Sabbath rest. We can remain enjoying the seventh day. It's already done. He says, guard your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let it guard your hearts and your mind. So don't be anxious with nothing, but by everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be, be, be made known unto God. Amen? Then the prophet Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years prior that the day was coming when we would live in the seventh day and he says, even when it comes to prayer, he says, 
He says, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer them. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. How's it that I can talk to God about something? And God says to me, I want you to know that even before you call, I've already answered you. When did he answer me? When the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And God says, while you're yet speaking, I will hear. Because I've already done something about it. You don't need to worry and fret because you believe you're standing on the promise of God and you don't see anything happening. But when you get to that place, continue to stay at rest with thanksgiving, believing that it has happened. Is that right? So in the seventh day, we get impatient. I know that. We get impatient. You know, we live in this microwave era, this microwave society. We want everything instantly. Is that right? And so when we hear the promise of God talk and preach, and if it doesn't happen in the next five minutes, the next five hours, or the next five days, then we begin to waver. Then we begin to do what that first generation of the Israelites did that came out of Egypt. They actually went back on God's promise, even though he made them that promise. They went back on that. And instead of being the blessed generation to Hergland, they became the lost generation, except for Caleb and Joshua. They were the only two that really believed and entered into the promised land from that first generation. But God says, before you call, I will answer you. And while you're yet speaking, I will hear. This is the kind of confidence we need when we pray. We don't need to worry, fret, and beg when we pray. Where is your faith? Why are you asking God for something if you don't believe it already exists? Why are you asking God for something if you don't believe it's rightfully yours? So it, this is how we live in the seventh day. And because things didn't happen overnight, we need to understand in the seventh day, yes, things may be delayed, but never denied. Why would he provide it for you if he's going to deny you of it? Huh? When, when God killed off that first generation of unbelieving Israelites, and they did not enter the promise, it didn't change the promise. God raised up a second generation to go in and fulfill that promise. And so even though things may, promises of God may be, it seems like delayed, but they're never denied. This is what James chapter 1 says, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into divers temptation, in other words, various tests and trials, knowing this, that the trial of your faith, don't get it twisted. When things seem like they're not happening, this is not about you. It's about what you believe. And when the enemy comes against you, he's not coming against you per se. He's coming against your faith. He wants to steal your faith. He wants to get you off the promise of God. He wants to get you tripped up. So you fall, get so discouraged that you go back on that promise. So you got to know that the trying of your faith work is patience. 
And James says, let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So what is James saying? Oh, yes. He says, while the blessing is ready for you, you're not ready for the blessing. But patience gets you ready for the blessing. Patience gets you ready for it. You may say, why is it taking so long? Well, that, that's not about God. That's about you. Do you follow what I'm saying? That's about you. There's some things that maybe God wants to work in you and through you, some things God wants to get out of you, some things that God wants you to give up, like control, which we heard earlier, for example. Amen? So you let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, nothing. Everybody has stuff happen to them in life. Everybody has circumstances. Everybody have needs from time to time. But in the seventh day, we must believe that God will perfect our circumstances because he promised he would. Psalms 138, verse 8 says, For the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. His mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hand. That's Psalms 138 verse 8. The psalm that says that God will perfect. He will manifest everything concerning you. He'll perfect that which concerns you. Why? His mercy endures forever. Oh, Lord, your mercy endures forever. Then the psalmist says to the Lord, do not forsake the works of your hands. What works? The works that were finished before the foundation of the world. The works that were finished. And when God finished everything he had created and made, he rested on the seventh day. And now through Christ, we have entered that rest. And we too live in the seventh day. In the seventh day, we must believe notwithstanding our circumstances that God's going to do something about those circumstances. He's going to perfect that which concerns us because his mercy endures forever. And he is a good God. He will not forsake the works of his hands. Why would he create and make blessings for you in life and then deny you of them? You might deny yourself. But God will never deny you. Did you hear what I said? You may deny yourself, but God will never deny you. He will not forsake the works of his hand. So in closing, let me say this. Glory to God. In the seventh day, we walk by faith, not by sight. We rest on that promise. You see, the same gospel preached to them, yes, it's been preached to us. Theirs was an, an earthly blessing. Ours is an eternal blessing. So are we going to follow up to their pattern through disbelief and unbelief, disobedience? Or are we going to follow up the pattern of believing God notwithstanding what we see, believing God notwithstanding what we feel, believing God because he said it, and we rest in that promise. It's like the faith that little children have in their parents. You know, daddy and mama may tell the child something, I'm promising you this, and that child has all the faith in the world that mama and daddy are going to do what they said. 
And sometimes they're disappointed. That's because their, their mom and daddy are earthly parents. But a heavenly parent, a heavenly father, he'll never disappoint. He'll never forsake us. He'll never leave us. He'll never neglect us. He won't disappoint. But we need to just rest in that promise, knowing we're in the seventh day, and everything God has done is done, and those works are finished. So let me say this. We can be confident of this very thing. Yes, you can. That he who have began a good work in you and a good work for you, he will perform it. He will manifest it until the day of Jesus Christ. You can be, Paul's told the, the Philippians, you can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We got to let God continue to manifest the promise in our lives. But if we're working, we're worrying, we're anxious, we're going against the promise. Jesus says, you who, who labor and heavy laden, come unto me. Just come unto me, and I will give you rest. He, he says, take my yoke upon you. And he says, and, and learn of me. I, you know, I'm meek and lowly at heart. He says, you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why is it easy and light? Because the works have already been done before the foundation of the world. I cannot live my life believing that God's still trying to figure out some blessing for my life. I cannot live my life believing that God doesn't know what tomorrow holds for me. Come on. I cannot live my life believing that God doesn't know my point in time to leave this earth because the works have already been finished before the foundation of the world. When we live from that vantage point, you'll see more manifestations of faith because you've gotten out of the way. You've gotten out of the way. Now God makes a way. Huh? We got to believe that the same way God rested, he wants his children to rest. We're not called to, to work and work and work to try to make something happen, to conjure up faith, beat our heads against the wall. We're, we, we are called to be still and know that he's God. And we rest in that. That's what it means, beloved, to live in the seventh day. So I, I know that a lot of us have been through some stuff. But when you feel like you're not making any progress in life, just remember, whatever God starts, he finishes it. He will not leave you hanging. Is that right? God will complete it. Yes, he will. He'll complete it. He'll help you grow in grace. And that's where the patience comes in. He'll help you grow in grace until he has manifested all of the work, his work, in your life. Glory to God. Go over to God. Lift your hands with me. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all the works that you created and made for me. And thank you, Father God. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.